Welcome to C-Suite Radio. It's time for the Open Mic Podcast with your host, Brett Allen. Broadcasting live from the Bay Area studios, here at the Open Mic, no topic is off limits. And of course, you never know who may stop by. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Open Mic Podcast. It's good to be here with you on this beautiful Bay Area Sunday. Scorching hot weather, almost 100 degrees today. Holy cow. But uh, thank goodness we do have air conditioning, so I'm super excited about that. Keep things cool and uh, the heat at bay. Big things happening since we released our last episode. My son graduated preschool. It was so sweet, so exciting. I couldn't believe it that it's happened, that it's come and gone. He's getting so big so fast. And uh, we'll be spending Father's Day weekend together next weekend down near the bay in Monterey, California, where they live. Anyway, our guest today, I'm excited to have her, Michelle Tillis Letterman. This was a fantastic conversation. She is the author of the brand new book, The Connector's Advantage, Seven Mindsets to Grow Your Influence and Impact. She's also written another book, The 11 Laws of Likeability, Relationship Networking, Because People Do Business with People They Like, and a book that I was even more familiar with, and I didn't make the connection until almost the day before the day of the interview, uh, it's called Nail the Interview, Land the Job, a step-by-step guide for what to do before, during, and after the interview. And so we talked a lot about that pre-tape, and we're going to have Michelle back here in the fall. We're going to talk about that finding a job and this amazing book. This was a great conversation. I'm excited for you to listen to it. It's going to benefit you a ton. Michelle Tillis Letterman, welcome to the podcast. It's good to have you here this afternoon. I'm happy to be here. Well, I am excited to chat with you. And to my audience, you are in for a really special treat today. Michelle is an author. I mentioned this in the intro, and she's written several books. But the one that we want to focus on today is The Connector's Advantage, Seven Mindsets to Grow Your Influence and Impact. Now, you have written a couple other books outside of this. We were talking pre-tape about the one that I had read about finding finding work, essentially how to make your way through a job interview, what to do before, during the middle, and after. But this book and the other books all seem to sort of have a theme. Is that, am I correct in that assumption? Like as far as making influence and making good connections and just how to really key into people, if that question makes sense. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think of The 11 Laws of Likeability, my first book, and The Connector's Advantage, which follows that book, um, as really kind of my mission and, and what I'm all about, which is, as you said, prioritizing relationships and um, finding those connections. But you make a really good point. The other two books are really about uh, the interview. Mm-hmm. So Heroes Get Hired is focused on veterans returning to the, the civilian workplace and Nail the Interview, Land the Job is the one that you read, which is for everyone else. So the new grads and the returning parents and the involuntarily unemployed and the older worker. And so I deal with all those issues. Um, but I think you're right. If you, you know, as you know, reading the book, part of what makes the difference in getting that offer and not getting the offer is how you connect with the interviewer. Mm-hmm. So I feel like sometimes there are people that are really easy to connect with. And then I think you and I had a really good connection this morning, but, <laughs> but there are sometimes you run into people and it's not so easy to connect with. 
it's a little bit difficult. Do you think that that's part of you personally, not you personally, but just generally speaking as a, as a, as a human being, not making the effort to connect or it just, there's other things that have to be learned there to really make that solid connection with people. I mean, I think the first thing is actually to want to connect. Okay. Because I think that there's probably the ability to connect with just about anybody else out there um, if that desire exists on both sides. And it becomes almost like a puzzle or a detective work to figure out, you know, what are our points of connection and what are our common interests or values or experiences or people or places? You know, there's all these ways that we can uncover our similarities, but that takes a little bit more work um, rather than focusing on our differences. Yeah, so, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. That's a very good point. Um, so, yeah, so we actually leverage some of the laws of likability there. And I would say the law of patience is one of those that we have to um, kind of have in our back pocket because sometimes it's not going to be like it was this morning where it was like, ah, you know, <laughs> and, and there's energy and there's exchange and there's fun and, and everyone's smiling. Sometimes, you know, somebody's not in, a, in the mood for it or uh, somebody is distracted by some other things. And so that opportunity might not have been the right timing, but it doesn't mean that it wouldn't be worth another shot. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting that you mentioned that, that sometimes there are people who aren't into it, so to speak. So how do you deal with that? Let's say you are connecting with somebody in a circle of influence and they're not really feeling it or not in the mood. And then I think for me, it's a nervous habit where the natural reaction is just to want to make small talk. So let's start with that. What are your thoughts on small talk? Is that something that's good or bad? Are there better ways to do it? Or is that something that should be avoided altogether completely? It's funny. I don't even think about the phrase small talk. Um, I think all talk is, is valuable talk in a way, right? Small talk helps us lead to uh, learning about somebody. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but if somebody is clearly distracted by something, I wouldn't be trying to make small talk. What I'd be trying to do is understand where their head's at and if I could help them. So if I see somebody is kind of not into it, I might either say, you know, let them, let them be, um, or I might ask, say, you know, you seem like you've got a lot on your mind. What's going on with you these days? Or what are you focused on? Or, you know, uh, what are you working on? You know, who do you want to meet? Like if I'm all about understanding where they're coming from, people like talking about themselves. And people sometimes just need to release whatever might be on their mind so that they can re-engage. And so giving them those opportunities and seeing if any of those things work. And sometimes it's just letting them be so mm -hmm. that we don't say, uh, put the wrong type of energy into the interaction. Sure. So I talk about productive energy. And if you are kind of like, you know, and they're like, uh, my head's not here, they're not going to want to come near you again. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> No, I think that's a very valid point. And of course, I think, you know, one of the first things that you talk about in the book is that connections are, are critical to success. I think that is, that really rung true to me as well in the fact that if you're not making solid connections, and we're going to use that word a lot today, <laughs> so uh, it's important, but it's not always easy for me personally to make those connections for several reasons, whether it's struggling with the idea of imposter syndrome where I feel like I'm not good enough or there's no way that this person is going to want to talk to me or anything like that. What are some ways that we can sort of get past that whole mindset and just really do our best to, to key into people? 
So uh, there's there's a few different pieces there, um, and and let me bring us all the way back to the beginning of when we talk about a connector, and and that's what we're really talking about is how mm-hmm. everyone listening can. Um, become a connector and get the advantage, which is simply faster, easier, better results. Mm-hmm. And a connector is simply somebody who is relationship focused and prioritizes those connections in how they approach life and work and business and interactions and everything. Mm-hmm. So knowing that, and then some people like you are saying, mm, that's, I'm not a natural. That's where we can say, okay, you don't have to be. And that was one of the really cool things about the research I did. We did a survey. I had over uh, close to 800 responses. And we looked at some of the attributes and behaviors that we believed signified and and, um, identified connectors. And what we found is there was some differentiation, certainly, but it wasn't crazy. It wasn't like you have to think this way to be a connector. Some of the best connectors I know are introverts. Um, it, it, what it taught me and actually shifted the work in the book was that anybody can be a connector. Mm-hmm. I originally called the book The Connectors Club, thinking like it was this thing that you had to belong to. And what I realized is that it's not a club, it's not elite, it's accessible to all. And so for you who's saying, you know, that might not be my thing and I don't feel comfortable with it, um, I, I give a lot of ways to understand one of the mindsets of social and curious of it doesn't need to look the way it looks for an extrovert or it doesn't have to look a certain way um, that we can find our way to be social. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a very good point. I I really like that. You, there's also this idea of you, you list all these different things, the mindsets, open and accepting clear vision, abundance, trust, how did you come up with these particular ones as being the ones that were key for your book? Are there others that you can think of that would be equally as important? Uh, we, you know, we did research and um, I, I kind of share in the book all the different criteria, emotional intelligence and um, locus of control and trust. And, and so some of them did flesh out. And, and um, if you meet a connector and you give these criteria, they all are like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's me. Yeah, I, that that resonates. Um, and some were a couple surprises, but locus of control. It's not one of the mindsets, but I think it was a really interesting finding, in that uh, connectors felt that they were in charge of their destiny. Mm-hmm. They, they had accountability, um, and I always say the opposite of accountability is learned helplessness. Um, so it's somebody else did something. And the bad result was because of them mm-hmm. rather than the bad result was because of me. Uh, and so accountable people and uh, connectors who believe in a locus of control say, good results, bad results, whatever, I- I'm responsible. Yeah, I think that's true. I think personal responsibility is key in coming down to this because it's, it's easy, I think, to put blame on other people or maybe not take responsibility and say, oh, it's his fault or her fault. But I think that's a challenge is to take that personal responsibility and go, it comes down to me. I'm the one who is in charge of, of the destiny of this situation. And does that make sense? That's kind of like where my mind is going with that. Yeah. And this, this concept came out in the chapter on conscientiousness. So one of the mindsets is to be conscientious. And if the people out there listening are saying, okay, I want this advantage of faster, easier, better results. So I want to up 
on the connector spectrum, and I can explain the spectrum, then we want to start to infuse these mindsets and embody these mindsets. And so the mindset of a conscientiousness is that connectors do what they say they're going to do, and they follow up and they follow through. And that conscientiousness is that piece of accountability. It's that locus of control, but it's also the ability to say no and to understand what you're willing to say yes to because you don't want to stretch yourself too thin. Yeah. Now, Jordan Harbinger and I had this conversation. I think he did a podcast about it. We talked about this before as well. We started recording that he did this episode on contractual relationships where we meet somebody, we have a deal. Let's say it's you and I, then we have this interview and that's the end of it. We've connected, we've done our interview and then I don't think this would happen, (laughs) but we never hear from each other again. (laughs) What are your thoughts on that? Because I think when you're doing a podcast like this or anything, it's all about, like you say, connecting and building relationships. How are some, what are some things that we can do to kind of continue that relationship on other than just having it be like a one-time thing? So I I love that. And and Jordan has actually contributed to the book, um, and I had the experience with him where it could have been, he calls it contractual, I call it transactional, uh, where I was a guest on his podcast. Um, but then we stayed in touch. And you know, my first time on his podcast might have been five years ago at this point. And it wasn't until this past year that we met in person, but yet we'd stayed in touch the whole time and um, had done a lot of things together. So I think it's about always looking for the next point of contact. Mm-hmm. And so, right, you you are in this wonderful position to initiate connection. And the first lever that we pull to move up the connector spectrum is to initiate more. So you're reaching out to guests and and you're giving them a reason to be in touch. Then we actually have our transaction. Then where's the follow-up? Okay, the follow-up is when it goes live and then we we are putting it on social media and then um, maybe it's the how did it go or um, did you get any feedback? And it's just, so what are you working on next or what kind of guests would you like to have? And so it's always looking for, well, how can we continue to add value to each other? And when you come from that mindset and what well, that's another mindset, that's a generous spirit, then people understand that you are looking to always create and add value to the relationship. They want to stay in touch with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's very true. It's like any kind of friendship, you know, you want to keep things going and you want to be able to contribute value and content to each other where it's a mutually beneficial relationship and not just, I don't know, a first date. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, Jordan Paris actually, I think he said something like something along those lines where it's like, you know, we went out, we had a great time you know, the guest didn't give you a good night kiss. And so now you don't want to talk to them anymore about anything. It's kind of a crude way of putting it, but it, it kind of makes sense in a lot of ways, I think, because uh, you're trying to build all these different things that you're talking about. One of the things that you also mentioned in the book is, a, is LinkedIn. And I would love to get your perspective on this a little bit more. That's how you and I connected through LinkedIn. And we reached out we had a couple conversations and you asked me, Hey, you know, how, what can I, what kind of value can I bring to you? And we talked and then you're here on my show. So let's talk about LinkedIn. To me, it seems like it's kind of like the wild, wild west these days of where anybody can connect with anybody and then it's just free reign. So you want to know something funny? I am right now looking at your picture on LinkedIn. (laughs) 
and I have been the whole time. It wasn't just when you said that, because when I'm on a show and I haven't met you in person yet, for me to stay connected to the person and to feel more connected to the person, I look, I'm looking at your face right now. I am talking right to you. Um, and and that's one of the things I love about LinkedIn. And yes, you can get that on Facebook and other places as well to have that picture. Um, but then when you said we connect on LinkedIn, I'm like, all right, I just clicked the message button. I looked back to see our thread and you reached out to me. And anytime somebody reached out to me, you reach out to me without a note. So if somebody reaches out to me without a note that doesn't look like they're a spammer and you didn't, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I recently had a guy and I was like, how do I block him? He sent me photographs and said your picture and your smile. Like, it's just. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good grief. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so I will then send a note. And so I sent you a note. Now you had reached out to me um, at a time right after the book launch. So I was heavy into the, the publicist was booking me on like 10 shows a week. I didn't even know half of them. So my response was, you know, hey, I see we're connected through people we had in common, Jordan and Travis, another podcaster. And I asked you, I'm like, am I scheduled to be on your podcast? Because I, That's at funny. That time, like, I just didn't know because there were so many things coming in. Um, and, and uh, you know, when I sent you a little note and you replied uh, very quickly saying, no, but would love to have you. And, and that's how it started. So LinkedIn is fabulous because it, it, one, it gives us that sense of, I was able to say, here's who we have in common. So this is somebody who I'm willing to connect with. That They seem credible. There's that association. Um, but then it's not just, I click connect. It's, I sent a note. And if I had not sent the note, I wouldn't be on your show. No, we, probably not at all. Right. And we wouldn't extend this, this connection. I wouldn't have found out um, what you shared with me before the show, which just made my day. Um, <laughs> so when you connect with somebody on LinkedIn, first of all, personalize it. I have made the mistake on the app of sometimes hitting connect and then you can't put a note. Somebody told me you can, I haven't figured it out, but I will usually come back to my desk and do it here so I can add a note to it. And if you don't add a note and they decide to accept, then put an email back when they accept saying, thanks for accepting. And you know, here's what I'm curious about, or here's what, you know, I reason I reached out or, Hey, would you like to have a quick introductory chat? Um, you know, it, it's just a way, and, and I think this goes back to what we said before, how do we keep this from being transactional? Mm -hmm. We look for the next point of contact. We look for how do we extend this? Um, one of the best questions I can give to your audience is to say, what, um, what are you working on? Or to say, how can I help you? Or to say, who would, who would you like to connect to? Mm -hmm. Any of those questions give you the ideas and the ability to think of how can I help? And well, now I have another reason to reach out. So that's the right way. What is, just to draw a parallel, what would be, I appreciate your feedback, by the way, about sending the note. I think that's important. Uh, but what are some ways that are not the right way to do it? Like, let's say you're trying to book somebody or get somebody for an interview for your book or, or even let's, let's make it something that's relevant, like a recruiter on LinkedIn for a job. You're replying to a recruiter or you're connecting with a recruiter, like what, what is a quick way to get shut down from your perspective? Because you, you do really well on LinkedIn. You, you manage it very well. You connect with people very professionally and it's very smooth and makes people feel comfortable. But if somebody were to go on there, what is the wrong way? I guess would be the best way to ask that question. Um, well, I did not mean to imply that you did anything wrong. No, I don't think that you did at all. Not even for a second, but I, I appreciate it. Like, I think that's very good. I think Jordan said the same thing. 
about, you know, just making sure that it's just not like, boom, hey, come on my show, <laughs> please. I have, this is what I think I can get from you. No, no, I didn't think that at all, not even for a second. Um, but y- even if you don't reach out with a note, um, you, you, it's fine. You test the waters, um, but you might not get as many responses. So um, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with putting that right there in the note um, and saying, you know, hey, I heard you on this show or hey, I was interested in this for my audience and hey, right? So you give them a little sense of why them if it was coming from you. Now, I've had people reach out and, and say, um, help me get a job. Oh, wow. I've had people reach out and, and say, um, you know, here's my resume. Please give me advice. Oh, geez. Um, I, you know, I, I, I think I actually put some of these examples in the book. Yeah, there, there were a couple in there. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I asked that question. <laughs> uh, because a lot of times it's, there's no building of relationship. There's no, um, you know, hey, I found this article interesting and it was great advice and I'd love to learn more from you. What resources do you have out there? Would have been fine. Um, you know, uh, I had somebody who actually just reached out to me on LinkedIn yesterday and said, I have a job interview next week. And would you do interview coaching? Now he was actually looking to hire me. He wasn't looking for a freebie. Um, and you know, the truth of the matter is I didn't have capacity. Um, but because of the way he did it, I actually, um, referred him to two other coaches and said, Hey, look at these two. They might be able to help you. I told one about you and she, she's expecting, and she can fit you in. Um, because you know, it was here, here's what's going on. Um, but had he just, um, like I get, I get these notes all the time of just, you know, somebody, somebody posted, um, tell me how to market my book and this and that. It was like four questions that were so broad that basically she wanted like me to brain dump. And I barely had any exchange with her at all. Interesting. She was just looking for as much as she could get. And there, there was no hello. So this example was um, a, a LinkedIn group. Mm-hmm. So um, I help moderate this um, this virtual group of other authors, and um, and she was invited to the group. She didn't introduce herself to the group. She didn't tell anything about her. She didn't say, "Here's how I can add value." Here, here's if anyone has questions on this, I can help. It was just, "Hi, I'm new, and please tell me all these things." Oh wow! And I went to another of the moderator group, saying, "Yeah, I think we need to be a little more selective of who we let in." <laughs> <laughs> Are you familiar with Evan Carmichael at all? Do you know who he is? I don't, but now you make me want to look him up on LinkedIn. Well, he's amazing. And he has written a couple books and I have had him on my show. I don't remember the episode number. I know that's bad to do. Dave Jackson would slap me on the wrist if I didn't give the episode number. But anyway, he's, he is an author. He's written several books. He's an angel investor. And I asked him the same question he gets messages all the time. Instagram and Twitter is where he hangs out mostly. And like one of the biggest questions he said people ask him is how do I get verified on Instagram? I know it's a silly question and he always responds back to his people with videos. He'll, no matter what the question is, it's always done in video. And he's like, you know, you have one opportunity to ask me anything that you want and this is the one silly question that you want to ask me. Are you sure this is what you want to ask? <laughs> Same with Steve Sims of the author of Blue Fishing. All these people who have really high levels of influence like yourself or high level connectors like yourself. 
And so the, the, the parallel that I'm drawing, I think what you're saying is so key because, you know, you got to be careful about who you let in or who is becoming a part of that world because who knows what you're going to get. But if you do get in, I think it's important to make sure you ask the right questions, right? Or because I'm sure you get messaged all the time, right? I mean, every day bombarded. Well, I think it's about, uh, I think it's really interesting because all these people who are doing that are very transactional. They're mm-hmm. not seeking to build relationship and that's the difference. And, um, you know, I was at a dinner last night with Dory Clark, who also contributed to the book. And, oh, wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we, you know, we were talking about, um, you know, how, how to be efficient in doing this. Like, how do we keep these relations going? There were seven people at the dinner last night. So it wasn't like I'm connected with one person. We all got together and I actually posted a picture of, um, maybe it was just six of us, of all of us on LinkedIn saying, you know, great Dory dinner. Um, because it's a really efficient way to keep your connections going. But when we think about efficiencies, um, Dory gave some advice of how she handles it as she became, um, more and more, um, you know, sought after the requests became overwhelming. And so um, she was, she was able to vet based on if they did their homework. And so this woman who said, tell me everything. My response to her was, you know, Hey, this group has been going on for years. A lot of this information is in the thread. Go ahead and search the archives. You'll get an abundance of information. She didn't do any homework. And so that's so frustrating. So, you know, people who are seeking, and there's actually a whole section in the book of how to connect with influencers and John Corcoran. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he contributed to that section. So, uh, so my book is actually an example of what I'm trying to teach people. I curated my own connections to bring experts uh, from all over the world into, you know, providing these insights um, for the for the readers. Yeah, I mean, Seth Godin. I, I did, it's really, you really now that you're saying that I'm sitting here thinking you really have like almost cracked the code. To a lot of people. So listen, if you're listening to the show and you want to try an interview, we're not saying it's going to happen, but if you want to interview who, I don't know, Seth Godin or I don't know, James Altucher, any of these people, you have to read this book because it's going to help you um, do this. And, and it's just so filled with such gold. Um, and being a podcaster, I talk to a lot of authors and Oftentimes, I'll get the book on audio just because it's easier to do. And Jordan Harbinger, actually, that's a tip that he provided was, you know, do the audio book. But this one, I did the audio book and I actually sat down and I read it, which is rare for me because I'm so busy. I'm a single dad and I just have other things going on. But I really wanted to take the time to read this one in particular uh, and not just do the audio book because there's just so many uh, nuggets in it. For sure, for sure, for sure. There's another subject that that you talk about is connectors believe in abundance, I think is how you title it, or in abundance. Um, If you could just expand on that concept a little bit, because it just, it's amazing. Uh, There's so many things I want to talk about. I I would love to have you back if you're willing, because there's just so much to go through in this book. But let's talk about the abundance part. How do we take that and make that something that's practical? Uh, I love that you already created another point of contact. I'm happy to come back. Um, (laughs) So abundance is one of the most challenging of the seven mindsets. Yes. Because the opposite of abundance is scarce. Scarce thinking, scarcity, scarce mindset. And scarcity is um, proven 
right? We have evidence, we have experience that the scarcity is real. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I remember back in my finance days in the early 90s when there was no female partners in the firm. There was one female senior manager and she certainly wasn't reaching back to lift any women up along with her because there wasn't room for women at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we have a scarce mindset, we come from a place of protective and defensive of what we have and, um, and we make decisions out of fear. When we have an abundant mindset, it's not um, that everything's fabulous. It's the idea that just because there aren't any female partners now doesn't mean there can't be multiple female partners in the future. Yeah. So it's the belief that it will be better. It is the belief that there is enough. It is not comparing yourself against other people. And it doesn't mean that we don't have pangs of jealousy, but it's being able to like take that and then, you know, <laughs> reframe it and say, well, what can I learn? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I loved this from Jordan because actually this is the chapter that Jordan contributed to quite a bit. Um, he said that if you understand your own value, then you don't have to be so worried about like, oh, I don't want to give Brett a, a guest that I had because in my podcast won't be special because oh. he'll have the guest too. And, and he's like, I don't think like that because what makes it interesting is the way I do the interview. I bring the difference, not just the guest. That is a very hot topic amongst podcasters. That is a, (laughs) excuse me. Yeah, that's a can of worms right there, my friend. It's true. It's so true. But I've had guests that Jordan has had, and not that I am trying to compare myself to him, but I I love that idea of just having self-value. That is so important because if you don't have that, Michelle, it's going to be hard for you to do anything, especially as a podcaster. I mean, I look at your resume and I look at your bio and all the appearances that you've had and all the places you've been. I mean, Oprah, Martha Stewart. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But it would be very easy for me as someone who's only been in this for a year and a half to go, oh God, there's no way that she's going to come on my show. Why would she want to come on my show? You know, my audience is one third of the audience. <clears throat> Pardon me, I have a cough. We'll have to edit this out. There, there's, there's just a way you could look at it. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think that's so important and I want that to be a key. And we'll put this in the, in the show notes is that you have to have that belief in yourself or you're just not going to go anywhere. Uh, I love that. And I, you know, one of the things I talk about in um, the chapter on having a clear vision, another one, we're kind of hitting the mindsets in all different, let me just read out that mindset so people can have heard all seven of them. um, And then let me address this clear vision one. Um, So connectors are open and accepting. They have a clear vision. They believe in abundance. They trust. They are social and curious. They are conscientious and they have a generous spirit. So we've talked about quite a few of them. um, But when we talk about connectors having a clear vision, there is no way to get the advantage if you don't know what you're working on. You can't get the result faster, easier, better if you don't know what the result is. Mm-hmm. So um, I always say connectors know what they want and they are willing to ask for it. And wow. you know, you just proved that point where you know, you know uh, if, if you ask, what's the worst that happens? They say no, or they say not now, mm-hmm. um, or they say no but, or they say. Um, you know, yes, if, or yes, after, <laughs> or yes, with. I mean, there's all sorts of possibilities, but if you don't ask, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. If you ask, you immediately increase your odds. Yeah, I think that's, that's so true. 
Very true because, you know, I think that the people that you connect with are the ones that you're supposed to connect with. And had I come at you as maybe a cold pitch, you could have said no. And I, I would have been okay with that at this point. Now, a year ago, <laughs> maybe not so much. But, uh, but I think that that's, that's, that's so cool. And uh, yeah, that's it, folks. If you ask, if people say no, they say no. It's maybe no now or, or maybe. And, and so that's very cool. So yeah, we've kind of gone all over the place with these. Um, <laughs> but uh, we'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up with these last two. Uh, connectors are conscious and they have a generous spirit. So let's talk about the number nine, I think it is, uh, in chapter two about having a conscious mind and just being aware of, of what's going on around you. So um, I think you're referring to the chapter on conscientiousness. Conscientiousness, sorry. That's one of those words that I look at and go, nope, that's not how you say it. <laughs> conscientiousness. And I can't spell it, so we're, we're good. Um, <laughs> So we, and we, we spoke a little bit about conscientiousness and this is the idea of, of we do what we say we're going to do. We follow up, we follow through. And so to be conscientious, it, you, these, these mindsets really enable each other, right? It's really hard to be, have a generous spirit if you're not conscientious or if you don't trust, or if you don't come from a place of abundance. Um, so that conscientiousness gives us the, um, the way that we do things. So I talk about how, like how does a connector make an introduction? How does a connector uh, do certain things? And, and we talk about those, those nuances, but it's just bigger picture of that, um, that follow through. And it's the bigger picture of understanding that if I say yes, I mean it. Mm -hmm. So I better be real careful before I say yes. And, and so we were just talking about the whole podcast thing. And, and I share with you, I think I have four today um, and I've been doing like 10 a week and it, it can become overwhelming. And sometimes you start to be like, okay, it's too many. I need to start finding ones to say no to. How do I decide what to say no to? Right. Mm -hmm. So it's setting those guidelines or those criteria. But at the same time, um, you know, I've had people reach out and, and say, I heard, I actually, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the vlog boss, Amy Landino. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've, okay. I've actually tried to connect with her before, but she's really busy. So, but yes, I, I am familiar. Well, I can maybe help facilitate that. Um, so Amy heard me on Jordan Harbinger's podcast and then reached out to me and said, I have to have you on my podcast. Wow. And it was just so genuine and so authentic. And I didn't know anything about her except that my VA at the time was a huge fan of hers. And my VA went nuts when she reached out. And, you know, just because of that, her, her authenticity, her, her enthusiasm and my VA, I was like, yes. Um, and so uh, it, it all comes full circle. I, and I said yes to that. And then there was times when I started to say no, but I would say, but reach back out. So when you're conscientious, my favorite thing is I had to learn how to say no. I literally had a sticky note that my husband put on my computer monitor that lasted there about a year until it just fell off that reminded me that no is possible. Saying no, you have permission to do because you're saying yes to something else. And so I got better at saying no, but I would say no but. Mm -hmm. No but if you reach back out at book launch. No but if you get a larger group and join with somebody else and get more people in the room. No but. I would try to give them a way to get a yes down the road. Yeah, that's another Jess Lindgren who manages Pat Flynn. 
I'm not sure if you know, I'm sure you know who Pat is, but she does all his booking, but that's the same concept that she uses. And she says it's very important that if you reach out to Pat Flynn to have him come on your show and she gives you a response like that, no, but, or yes, but that it's so important to follow up. And the biggest turnoff for her and I'm sure you and maybe others is that when you don't respond and you just, all you see is the no, you know what I'm saying? And that's it. Well, then it's like, you just kind of gave up the battle and you didn't win the war. You know what I mean? Does that, does that idea make sense? It's kind of like, it, just, it can be self-defeating in a way, but you don't have to look at it that way, right? You can just look at it as, oh, she's not saying no, but maybe we need to get another five or 600 people in the room or maybe I need to grow my podcast a little bit more before I reach out to her, right? That's kind of the idea. Yeah, whatever, whatever it is, is, you know, and they'll give you a sense of what, what is the reason for the no now. It could just be she's having some downtime. Mm-hmm. It could have just been timing. And so those things are the ones that fall through the cracks. And I try, and, and you know, feel things always fall through the cracks, but I try to then take that person's name and that email and go forward to my calendar and paste the whole thing in. Because if all of a sudden I say, oh, reach out to Brett Allen, I'll be like, who the heck's Brett Allen in seven months from now, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but if I put a link to your LinkedIn or if I put a note that tells me, you know, what we talked about or what you wanted to connect about, then it's fresh and it's alive and um, it saves us a lot of brain space later on. And then sometimes Absolutely. I'm like cleaning out my email and I'll see someone I'm like, huh, you know what? They didn't hire me. I wonder how that event went. And I just did this. It was, um, I think it was JP Morgan. Um, they had brought me in to do an event and they actually decided to go with another speaker. And I was cleaning out my email. I saw it and I was like, oh, you know what? I wonder how that event went. And so I just sent her a note saying, you know, how did the Q4 event go? And how was the speaker? And, and just, you know, um, let me know if you wanted to see if any of the topics that your team needs this year are a fit. She emailed me back immediately. Uh, oh, wow. Oh, I, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, so it's a two-way street really, right? You know, both parties being actively involved. Yeah, I, I, again, just kind of in podcasting, I've had that happen because this is all about making connections, trying to get guests and pitch people. And I get a lot of that, hey, Susie's not available now, uh, try in the spring. So then I put it on my calendar. I always use the same email thread too, just so they remember our conversation. Is that something important to do as well as trying to keep the same email thread going with that person? Um. I- yeah, I never really thought about it. I, I do find it, I certainly do love to be able to go into messages on LinkedIn so I can look Well, you at- had mentioned all that, so that's why I kind of asked that question. I know it's kind of a left field question, but is uh, it, it's, I think to me it's important. I don't know if you'd ever, <laughs> that's- I don't I, know if I actually really wow. <laughs> thought about it, but there are times, you're right, like when I just reached out to JP Morgan and it was, you know, it's got to be six, nine months since we spoke, um, I did keep some of that thread. Um, but it wasn't, uh, I didn't really think it through. I didn't pick the exact point in the thread. I found her name. I picked an email. I clicked reply. And then I changed the title. Okay. Um, so I do believe in updating your subject lines, but that doesn't mean that you can't keep the, the earlier thread. Okay. Kind of a sidetrack there. I just, I thought about that. I always do that, especially with some of the names of folks to reach out to that I've had conversations with. Changing the title, yes, but keeping it. So they go, oh, I remember talking to Brett. Um, he reached out to me six months ago, um, and uh, we never made anything happen, but now let's try. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. In the boot, I, I'm I for where my job that I do, we that's one of our rules is keeping the same subject or changing the subject line, but keeping the same email thread so we can. It's helpful. Yeah, kind of a rabbit trail there, folks. I apologize. <laughs> um, so one last thing I want to talk about, since we've covered all of them, uh, open and accepting, clear vision, abundance, trust, social and curious, uh, conscientiousness, and having a generous spirit. I think this is one of the biggest keys to keep in mind as well. Yeah, I mean, this, and this ties back to my first book, The 11 Laws of Likeability and the Law of Giving. And I talk about um, giving because you can and because you want to and without expectation. I, I, a generous spirit is somebody who can come from a place of abundance and, and somebody who does trust and somebody who does believe in how connectors raise all results, right? Because it is not linear. It is not reciprocal. It is a mindset And when I approach life and the world and people with the mindset of a generous spirit, I I feel that I have a permission to also ask. And even though I might be asking somebody who I might not have been uh, given to because of this mindset, I know that, um, that it is not linear, right? So that it's not, oh, you did this for me, so now I will do this for you. And we can, you know, we can say we're even. That's not what it's about. No, not at all. Not at all. I, <laughs> that's funny that you mentioned that. I, all these things that we've talked about, I've had some sort of encounter in one way, shape, or form. Um, and I think I've benefited greatly from it and, and will help me grow just as, as a person, a, a, you know, as a man, as an adult in life, in the world, but even in podcasting, making connections and sort of retooling some of my approaches. Um, I did want to ask you one last thing. When, when you get approached to be on a show like this, because I, I, we kind of connected through LinkedIn, right? So I didn't pitch you the way that I would normally <laughs> pitch somebody. Um, I, 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 feel, I, want, I want to be pitched. <laughs> <laughs> I could, sure. So for the next time you come on, because uh, I want to talk about your other book. We can talk about that offline, but I'll send you a pitch letter. Sure. I would actually like to send it to you and, and see what you, your thoughts are, um, you know, if you have the time. But it, how do you feel about that? Like, what are you looking for if somebody pitches you? Uh, obviously, when you do speaking events, there is like a whole thing that you have people go through. Because I was looking at that too. I was just kind of curious how you handled all of that. You have your writer and stuff, but. If somebody wants you to come on their show, what are some things that you like to see in a pitch letter or a pitch email uh, and maybe some things that kind of turn you off and go, uh, I don't necessarily know if I would want to do this show. And you don't have to mention anybody's names. I don't want to out anybody. <laughs> but I, Yeah, I think if we think about this even more broadly, like think about your audience and they're sending pitch letters. They're trying to get a meeting with a client or something like that. Um, I think the number one thing is personalize make me feel like this is not the same cut and paste job that is sent to everybody. Not that there can't be cut and paste pieces and that's totally fine. But those first few sentences need to be about the person. Mm -hmm. So here's how I know you. Here's how I found out about you. Here's why I'm interested in you. Here's, here's something that tells me, you know, who I am and that you have, you you felt something Mm -hmm. that made you want to reach out. 
Like, so that, that feels um, an emotional connection, right? So that's the number one thing, whether I don't care if you're a podcaster or an entrepreneur, I don't care who you are. That first two sentences needs to let somebody know this is, this is personal. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's a reason for this, Um, you know, and, and when you're thinking about business, I'm not talking about, you know, personal, (laughs) Um, I'm talking about personalized and that might be a better way to think about it professionally. Okay. Um, and then, um, so then you've given me the reason why. And then, then you can give me the cut and paste job of here's about the show, right? And so give the things that are going to be the questions. So think about the questions somebody's going to be asking for mm-hmm. them to make a decision, right? So what will they ask? Well, who is the audience? Like, is this an audience that I think I can help or speak to? Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, what is, what is the mission of the show? do I have something to say about that? Right. So I'm asking these questions of myself. Am I a good fit for your show? That's what they're trying to figure out. Um, and then they also want to know, you know, the, the size of the show, um, you know, and, and any requirements you might have of them or things like that. So it's really thinking about if somebody receives this, what is their brain process in, 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 deci- in deciding a yes or a no? Wow. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Well, we have solved all the problems of the world <laughs> in uh, 45 minutes, which is, <laughs> like I said, I, I would love to have you back to talk more about this and your other book, When You're Free, the book that changed, well, both of these books are amazing, but the other book that we mentioned that changed my life as far as how to get a job and to interview it, how to interview uh, what to do? It's before. called Nail the Interview, Land the Job. Yeah, Nail the Interview, Land the Job. I, my notes just disappeared on my monitor. So that's another book, but you have all these other books. How can, speaking of connecting, how can people connect to you and what is the best way for them to do that? Well, I love getting um, listeners reaching out to me. So I welcome you to do that. LinkedIn is my favorite platform. I mean, I'm on Twitter and Facebook and, and a little bit on Insta. I'm really there just to spy on my son. But um, <laughs> <laughs> That's um, funny. LinkedIn is probably the best place. And I would love for you to tell me that you heard me on the Open Mic Podcast. And um, if you don't send a note and I, say, and I accept your connection request, which 90% of the time I do, you'll get a note from me saying, hey, did you see me on a podcast? Which one? Because I'm going to start a conversation with you. So be prepared for that if you reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, the best place to find me is actually my website, Michelle with two L's, Tillis, T-I-L-L-I-S, Letterman, L-E-D-E-R-M-A-N.com. And from there, you can get to my YouTube channel. I do a lot of little success shorty videos. Um, you can get to my blog. You can get to all the social media things. Um, and if you want to um, get lots of free goodies, you can uh, join my newsletter on that site as well. Um, and the book is at theconnectorsadvantage.com. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely one I, I recommend buying it uh, and taking advantage of it. And all of that information and a link to the book, all of that will be available in the show notes. Michelle, thank you so much for taking time to be here this morning. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right, that brings today's episode to a close. Thank you so much for joining in and being a part of the podcast. Have a fantastic week. Stay cool wherever you are. And we will be back next week with more amazing content for you. Again, head over to the openmicpodcast.net to get all things Open Mic Podcast. Until next time. That brings today's episode to a close. Thanks for listening in. If you enjoyed today's episode, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a kind rating and review. It really does help. Until next time, cheers and be well.